I still speak to 50 customers a month. Yeah. If I lose that connect with the end customer, I'm dead. I mean, you have prime examples of Jeff Bezos. Their first go-to was a consumer research. We had heard that if you have grievances on Amazon and nobody replies, email Jeff Bezos. We had reached a situation where someone was violating our trademark. I just emailed some Jeff at Amazon.com or something like that. Got a response. Incredible. Lulu Lemon today is a eight billion dollar company selling yoga pants. Zero of the value is coming to India. Zero. I don't even think they sell in India, right? No. So I remember calling my granddad from campus and saying, "We can't let the same happen to Ayurveda." If you want to hear a story about privilege, and yet how foundational values while growing up has helped him unlock value for everyone around and never take his privilege for granted, then this is the conversation for you. Today, I spoke with Arjun Vedya, where he started his journey. to make dr vedya a 150 year old legacy brand cool he wanted to make ayurveda aspirational so he launched hangover pills chavan prash pills and all of that led him to exit the business and made him millions you often would see him giving expert advice on d2c brands and more recently on the amazon prime show startup ab But on this episode he spoke really about him and you get to know a lot more about Arjun as a person and really what drives him every day to be better and better. So listen in, keep meditating and but before that also make sure you subscribe to our channel so that we can get many more of such interesting guests and conversations to you. Thanks Arjun uh, thanks for coming on uh, Pragyan I know you have a super busy day and rather busy weekend and yet you took time to come oh, My pleasure uh, this has been long time coming so excited to do this Yeah and I think you know the one thing that really cut through to me when I met you the first time is the absolute uh, humility and just the genuineness that you have and it's just so easy to talk and connect with you so I'm really looking forward to this conversation Thank you thank you uh, me too So yeah I mean I think you know While there are so many hats that you wear, you know you are a, you're a podcaster, you're also an investor, um, you know you've run a very successful uh, legacy uh, brand, you know Dr. Vedya. Where I really want to go down is also, you know, what are your fundamental values that have made you successful in whatever hat you've chosen to wear? Yeah, look, I think uh, this value system was drilled in by my grandfather, um, then eventually by my dad. um it was the seven philosophies of my dad's company and then eventually when we started our company as well there were the seven philosophies of dr vedya's it was on every offer letter outside my room um pasted all over the office as well and was a deep part of how we hired so uh, there were seven um honesty is our practice like i'm okay if someone says they came late because they overslept rather than because there was uh, an accident on the road right uh, humility is our equity uh so i remember my grandfather like a very telling image of my grandfather was when he passed uh he wore a white safari suit every day to work uh with same big black glasses black polished shoes but he always had a 5 rupee red pen in his pocket and i remember asking him like you know when i i remember grade 5 we shifted from pencils to pens yes and he had given me a shafer pen at that time which was i think like 3000 4000 rupees and i would take it to school and all of that so i said you gave me the shafer pen but you still have the 5 rupee red pen and he said that will always remind me where where i came from and i'll never ever forget that and he said never let it get to your head and i remember when he was passing we made him his body wear the white safari suit put on the black shoes and then before he was going in my cousin said no no we have to put the the red pen in his pocket right so humility is our equity um happy to work and happier to achieve uh, i think the only way for you to do something consistently for a long period of time is if you enjoy it 100% and nothing less uh team effort is our power so uh we never ever said the word employee at dr vedya's at where i work now um v3 as well it's always team member um and then customer is our reason for being anything above the customer i remember so many times we'd be at a family lunch on sunday obviously i sold ayurvedic products so the value per product was very low 
we had this one product which was used a lot in weddings it was a liver protector that double up as a hangover cure so we used to use that in a lot of wedding hangover kits and stuff lots of sundays we'd get um, queries from wedding planners saying hey i need 100 packets of this product today 100 packets of that product with discount was 6400 rupees i remember leaving family lunches going up our office on the 6th floor of a building going up opening the office taking out those 100 packets and going and delivering it across the city um just to do it because you can't ever believe that you're above the customer so i think these are the few philosophies that both in life and in work um i i try to live by you know i mean you exude all of that right uh, i think i can see that when i'm just interacting with you that uh, you actually own them and actually have them uh, as part of your core Uh, life values not just something which is up on the wall which you read but you actually live them every day and i think that also brings me to you know every time i've seen pictures of you and your family it's almost as if you know it's out of a karan johar movie right <laughs> <laughs> just absolute generational happiness all across touchwood um, but instagram is a false perception of reality let me say i, I will say that look i have grown up in a very close knit family um spend a lot of time with the family i was telling you as we were coming up in the lift that most of my family lives in the same building complex now and i think that's that's beautiful for us so i think that um it's a very important part of my life and um obviously i like to put important parts of my life um out to the world as well but i would say that like any family uh you'll only see the smiles and the happiness and the celebrations obviously we have given the sort of level of closeness that we have there is obviously the the other side of arguments and fights all very healthy i remember one instance very clearly from our family which which shows the closeness but also the level of drama so uh, i told you i live in the same building as my parents uh, i lived with with my parents four and a half years after getting married with my <laughs> wife in the same house right at some point i told my parents there are no rooms left in this house yeah. and i will have a family at some point so i'm going to move to my own place and if possible i'll be close by but i'm going to move to my own place and i remember my both my mom and dad started crying my grandmother lives with us she started crying and i was not following what was going on right i said look i have friends who live in different parts of the city different cities different countries some like live like 10000 miles away from their parents here i'm seeing i'm moving in max 5 km radius but my dad sent me a message saying you know just because the new culture is to move out from your parents home like it doesn't mean that you should move out or you have to move out don't just follow what everybody's doing and eventually we were fortunate to have a home in the same building and um, obviously it's amazing for my parents and my grandmom to get um, to spend a lot of time with my daughter as well but yeah. but i think family is a very important part of my life for sure no so what i'm hearing you say is that trust is a very important part right whether that's your family whether that's your workplace and it's very interesting you speak about your brand because i think i was really curious to dig a little bit uh, you know double click on the dr vedya brand that you in some way took over and in very many ways also modernized right yeah. i mean you got the whole e-commerce piece in and you made it a brand which you people could sit at home and order and also get exposed to what does ayurveda really look like and why should somebody consume what ayurveda has to offer today of course it's a fad and we'll talk about that as well but i'm really curious to know that what were some of those modernization steps that you took and how difficult was it for people who were in the company to actually embrace that change management because that's yeah. a very difficult part look i think it was uh, harder externally than internally i took on a clinic without the doctor my dad was one of india's most successful ayurvedic doctors he used to see 350 patients a day in one clinic in bombay had 12000 patients random via post so i took on a legendary doctor's clinic but that legendary doctor was no more right so i had to find a doctor to replace him um, i inherited a massive ip of formulations mm. i inherited a 105 fda approved proprietary ayurvedic formulations which were 150 years of our family's legacy and ip um and i inherited a small manufacturing facility in silvasa as a team i inherited about eight people in the team four five in the factory three in the clinic because honestly he didn't need a That massive means. team right and towards the end of his life he had also slowed down he passed when he was 75 76 so um he was not practicing at the level he was um when he was 50 55 etc uh so i think from a change management perspective internally I just had to get five, six people to buy into what I was doing. 
Honestly, out of the eight people, maybe three, four left also after he passed, saying that we didn't, they didn't want to be a part of it. They didn't know who I was. I was twenty-four and a half years old, honestly, and I had all these ideas to make a brand. Like the name Doctor Vedya's, it's my dad's name. I said, okay, like it's my dad's name, so let's make the company call this, right? He used to call his company Herbolab India Private Limited. Um, so we conceptualized the name. We were doing all this logo packaging, changing the packaging of the product, introducing all this branding, focusing on not diabetes, arthritis, asthma, because you don't have a doctor and you don't have trust and credibility. It's very difficult to sell that. So we started focusing on hangover and Shavan Prash capsules and Shavan Prash toffees and sexual wellness, which this team had never sold before, right? So some people didn't believe, but I think getting the internal team to believe was not so hard because honestly, uh, like. The ones who cared for my grandfather and wanted to take his legacy forward said, "We'll give this kid one two years to figure it out, and that's it, right?" They just gave me that. Um, I think what was more difficult was externally, right? I remember going out, like obviously I was young, I'd never run a business before. My dad was like, "I'll introduce you to some of my friends who have built pharma and Ayurveda businesses, um, you know, and you can have a chat with them and see." And I went to all of these people with ideas, and they were like, "You got to be crazy! Like you are trying to modernize Ayurveda." You're doing this new age packaging. You're trying to make it cool, and you're going to go online. Like this industry has never seen that, and we have been in the industry for 50 years, and we have never seen that. So it's not going to happen, right? I think for me, exuberance of youth at that time allowed me to just say, "I forget what they are saying. Let's make it happen today." With all the experience that I have, with all the investments that I've made, with the way we do market research, I think it was pretty crazy the idea that I had at that time. But I think that allowed us to do something different from what everybody else was doing. Look, if you look at Ayurveda, right? There are giants in this industry. There is Dabur, Patanjali, Imami, Bedenath, Zandu, Himalaya, like massive companies that have massive legacies for a very long period of time, and then rock up this 24, 25-year-old guy and his fiance who is like 26, and they are like, okay, we're going to build this business and we're going to disrupt things. Um, we tried offline, honestly, where all of these big boys play, and we failed massively, like mm. miserably failed. And then we went online, and honestly, that was white space. While the market was really small, nobody was interested. Yeah. And then as we started scaling, people realized that actually there's a market outside Bombay, Delhi, Bangalore, Hyderabad, Chennai. The market is in Anantrag, Imphal, Trichy, and Mizoram. These customers want access to high-quality Ayurvedic formulations and care, yeah. which we offer through a free consultation, the touch of their fingertips, because they don't have a doctor two kilometers away. And so, is that something we can offer? So, the real value we eventually created was not. Two million transacting customers, not five thousand orders a day, not some so many CR a month of sales. No, it was we got our products to sixteen and a half thousand pin codes across India. That's sixty plus percent of India's pin codes. Yeah, that really increased the reach of Ayurveda, I think, and that was the success of Doctor Vidya's. Also, it's very you know cool that you say that because when you got onto this, you had a different dream and a different vision, and you saw yeah. the opportunity being somewhere else, which was you know let me talk about the cool factor of Ayurveda, and what really emerged for you is something completely different. And I think often you see that when you start a business, that you have a particular vision for it, and you see a gap in a place. And when you actually start the business, it showcases something completely different to you. And I remember when I was at WhatsApp, uh, we saw that as well. Where, you know, every time we went out, and we thought that most people were using WhatsApp in the country because, uh, you know, it was all about privacy, it was all about end-to-end -end encryption. Because that's why the founders were so passionate about the product. And I remember going to one of the consumer researches, and you know, it was in Varanasi, and uh, there was a bunch of ladies sitting around, and you know, in Hindi we said, "Ki to ap." व्हाट्सएप क्यों यूज करती हैं एंड शी सेड यू नो मैं जब भी मोबाइल फोन खरीदती हूँ मैं सबसे पहले बोलती हूँ इस पर अगर व्हाट्सएप नहीं है तो कोई फायदा नहीं है क्योंकि ये फ्री है और मैं अपने बच्चों से बात कर पाती हूँ एंड देन वी सेड अच्छा ठीक है तो हम इस फोन से व्हाट्सएप हटा दें तो क्या होगा तो देन इन टिपिकल हिंदी शी सेड फिर आप गंगा में डाल दो इसको यू नो एंड वी गिव दिस रिसर्च बैक टू यू नो मेनलो पार्क एंड पीपल लाइक वट रियली लाइक यू नो वन just the eye opening insights you get when you consume when you actually interact with your own users and and yeah, i think it's humility to accept what the customer is actually saying right so i think the great part about digital businesses the feedback cycles are shorter and the amount of data points thrown at you are much more so for the first one year some e-commerce founders had told me pick up the phone when the customer service phone rings pick up the phone yeah when i started picking up the phone i realized that The vision of Doctor Vedas was make Ayurveda cool, sexy, fun, and aspirational for millennial consumers. 
none of these consumers were cool sexy fun aspirational none of them spoke english and none of them were millennials yeah so clearly something else was happening right we used to read deeply facebook comments and instagram comments and dms to see what was happening there and you know if you are at least in a digital business now every piece of feedback that you get you cannot action right but if you action aggregate feedback from what customers are saying a lot of times you'll get it right so i'll give you my favorite example of humility to accept you were wrong and take customer feedback weight loss we thought would be a fantastic category um in at least urban india it seems like there is a problem of obesity so we launched this product uh, we launched a weight loss pack on the comment section on facebook we kept on and, and the product was not doing badly mm. it was doing okay on the comment section we started seeing but weight gain ka product chahiye weight gain ka product chahiye we want a weight gain product so i said theek hai okay then must be some insight i don't see weight gain around me but maybe our customers do let me launch a weight gain pack yeah. so we went in did some already launched a weight gain pack that's why doing 4x of weight loss so we thought okay chalo we have won we have figured out customer insight high fiving each other saying yeah we made it happen right now on the comments of the weight gain product started saying weight gain to hai but ayurvedic muscle gain kaise kar sakte hai whey protein se hum darte hai chemical se hum darte hai ye wo time right so then i said yeah this is also seeming like an opportunity so we went back did some r and d and launched a all ayurvedic natural muscle gain supplement the first ever in the world uh developed the product and i remember we launched it in july of 2019 one month after we raised our first round of our first and only round of capital that product became number one best seller in the mass and weight gain category on amazon beating all of these whey protein type products as well we moved Fantastic. 2000 units a day just of this product on our website and i had no plans to launch this product no idea this was a gap so actually i think just humbly sitting listening and accepting customer feedback at least in a digital business you get those data points you should use them and being really tuned in you know looking at the patterns and very quickly uh, reacting and making sure you have the product to serve that need quickly otherwise that need also moves very need fast moves. and i think you know uh, the way to so there are like it may sound cliched and cheesy talk to your customer etc everybody says that right but i have spoken to founders who build much larger businesses than me uh, like the founder of purple for example mm. manish he told me i still speak to 50 customers a month Yeah. If I lose that connect with the end customer, I'm dead. If I have six layers between me and that end customer, then I'm dead. I mean, you have uh, prime examples of Jeff Bezos, and even when I was at WhatsApp, when our CEOs and found and and you know, um, I, I I've heard stories about Mark. I was you know while I was working there, he ne- he never came to India, but. their first go to was even if they were here for for 48 hours was a consumer research uh, listening into that uh, conversation for 45 minutes because they want to know and they're also product people even even alan who's a co-founder of true caller you know if you know he, i i remember we met and in november he was here and the main thing is he's a guy who will be standing in the corner in a party doing tech support because he's like i want my product to run and i'm a product guy like this is the most important thing for me jeff bezos example you gave we had heard that if you have grievances on amazon and nobody replies email jeff bezos we had reached a situation where someone was violating our trademark and honestly like nobody was doing anything about it someone some other company was using selling a product under our trademark name and obviously they were getting sales because our product was doing well we tried to raise ticket 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 like that didn't didn't happen for some reason it was taking long and honestly every minute additionally that i was seeing that product on amazon i was getting stressed like oh my god is and riled up it and riled up yeah. yeah so we just wrote an email to jeff bezos because someone had told us if nothing works email jeff bezos. and look he definitely didn't reply i'm sure he has lots of people screening that email but somebody replied to us and the issue got solved fantastic and that's a beautiful story right like i just emailed some jeff at amazon.com or something like that or jb at amazon.com and i got a response incredible i mean these are the moments that build that um warm place for that brand in Absolutely. your heart right i mean you and i'm telling this story so many people will hear about it and and that's that's yeah, how it goes and then exactly uh, but coming back to ayurveda uh, again you know and it's incredible the kind of products you came up with because protein is always an area where vegetarians have traditionally suffered yeah. you know i am a vegetarian and i always stru- struggle and i played sport and you always are told the first thing is oh you don't eat okay you're not going to get strong okay then you're not going to be resilient you're not going to hit the golf ball as long because you're not strong yeah. yeah tell me a little bit about your time and research which has 
which in some ways breaks this misnomer. Yeah. So I think, look, the approach towards what we did at Dr. Vedya's actually was refined and crystallized my time at the US. I did my undergrad in the US hmm. and I was in the, the East Coast and uh, 2009, I left India. I left a very different India from the India we have today, by the way. I left an India which is obsessed with imported products. Today, we live in India, happy to consume quintessentially Indian brands. Made in India. The India of the 90s, I remember my grandmom for my 11th birthday took me to a store down the road from her house in Bombay, which sold only imported products. Because that time, what was considered imported was good and Indian was bad. Like, I got a Japanese electronic sharpener for my birthday and that was like amazing, right? Uh, so, I, I went to the US in 2009 and I saw this massive move towards natural and organic products. Today, it's like part of our life, right? But at that time, there was like barely Nature's Basket had come to India and stuff like that. Uh, so I went to Whole Foods and it just blew my mind that yeah. this, this experience, these customers, these products to try, there's a restaurant, there's a cafe, you can eat this food and stuff. So that, that movement started getting me thinking. And then the other thing which like shocked me was in my freshman dorm, there was a very close friend of mine. Um, she's Dutch. And she was teaching yoga on campus. And I was going for the classes. And I'm thinking to myself, look, it's amazing that yoga is global. But clearly, some version of yoga has been repackaged, rebranded, sold to them. And they're selling us back Downward Dog. Right? It's not the name of an asana. It's Downward Dog now. But a traditional approach to that, and even when you look at the way the traditional Ayurveda guys looked at us was, they are bastardizing the science. Yeah. They are ruining the traditional science. The way I looked at it actually was, hey, these guys have taken what we had, taken the, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying change it. I'm not saying ruin it. I'm saying, can you repackage or gift wrap it in a form that appeals to modern consumers? If so, that's a beautiful experience, right? Lululemon today is a $8 billion company selling yoga pants. Zero of the value is coming to India. Yeah. Zero. I don't even think they sell in India, right? No. So, if that's the case, clearly we are leaving value on the table. And I remember calling my granddad from campus and saying, hey, it's amazing that yoga is global. It's not so amazing that Indian companies have not taken yoga to the world. We can't let the same happen with Ayurveda. And that's when in my mind I made the decision, I have to do something with this. Fantastic. And so we took that out of the box approach to say, hey, we're not drifting from formulations. If you ask me in five years that I ran the company, did I innovate on formulations? Maybe three, four, five, right? We made the muscle gain supplement and then we made two, three COVID-related products like um, a fruit and veggie wash, a sanitizer, um, and a specific kadha that the government had given us a recipe for um, called Ayush Kwa. That's, that's all the R&D that I did. The other things that I did were change the form factor of the product, move from vattis, which are traditional Ayurvedic goalies, to capsules. Mm. Uh, we launched the world's first Ayurvedic toffee, um, which was Chavan Prash in a toffee form. So... The thesis there was, hey, Chavan Prash is very good for you. But modern kids today can tell their parents, no. Today my daughter's one and if she doesn't want to eat something, she says no. And she pushes it away, right? Now, that insight has translated into market data in relation to Chavan Prash. Chavan Prash has been a six to 800 crore market for the last 10, 12 years. Hmm. If every kid grows up in India having Chavan Prash, or like, Let's not say every kid, but at least two-thirds of kids in India have Chavan Prash at some point in their life. How can the market be stuck when our population has grown 40% no way. in the last 10-12 years or, or 30% in the last 10-12 years? So clearly they're stopping to have it earlier than we stopped having it. And they're having cereal. And they have cereal. Completely. But if you can give the benefits of Chavan Prash in a format that the kid enjoys, the kid is happy and the parent is happy. And so we launched this toffee and increased adoption of... Chavan Prash significantly to kids who stopped having Chavan Prash. And my nieces were enjoying it and kids all around were enjoying it, right? So I think that the I think the benefit for me, it was a disadvantage in some cases, but a big benefit for me in, a, in this specific case was I was not an Ayurvedic doctor. Mm. Because I was not an Ayurvedic doctor, I started looking at things. Fine, I had a family legacy in Ayurveda. I spent a lot of time with my grandfather. I transcribed our family formulations from scriptures to computer. I did all of this work. But... I still had the consumer lens open and having that consumer lens open allowed us to create a brand that actually touched, engaged and bridged the gap between ancient Ayurveda and modern consumers. And I think that was an important step along the way. You'll see a lot of brands now who are sort of going on that path and you'll see even the incumbents also doing products like that. But I think 
we were one of the first few people to understand this insight and thesis and and i think it's a great step forward for the industry now oh for sure uh, i mean i was i've had many people on this podcast and one of my goals also through a lot of these conversations is this to get us back to what our culture and heritage is because there's so much strength in it and Absolutely. yet we have pushed it away for many other things which now is being sold back to us like you said because it has a more cool quotient so we adopt it and we're very happy to uh, you know wear it on our sleeve while all the rest of it we want to just disown um, so great work on that one of the most beautiful examples in mainstream uh, sort of prime time tv is kabaddi right like yeah it's a sport that's largely played in india and maybe south asia and some part of west asia uh, and honestly it didn't have so much mass appeal like nobody really watched it there was no televisation and then if they changed the game they repackaged the product and the sport and it's bigger than isl yeah it's bigger than the football league in india so really if you are able to repackage what we have there is massive value in it because massive connections still yeah. exist no it's just making sure that the new set of people understand what that connection is because you've lost it Absolutely. so uh, Uh, no absolutely you know you uh, every time you talk about your grandfather there's a almost like a twinkle in your eye it seems like you know you had this special connection with him and spent a lot of time with him while growing up yeah actually he cured me of asthma so look i i grew up suffering from juvenile bronchitis i grew up with pumps nebulizers inhaler steroids i think this was all fine but what really hurt me or annoyed me as a kid was everybody was playing cricket and football and i went to play cricket at age 5 at a cricket academy called Hindu Gymkhana at 8 7 my dad moved me off the cricket field because there was too much dust so i was playing golf and squash as a 7 year old kid i have a hand eye coordination problem so hmm. clearly i was not hitting any golf ball just imagine a 7 year old kid trying to hold a golf club and 95% of the shots are just divoting completely right so uh, i think that really annoyed me my dad saw it so um, I spent a lot of time with him growing up. I used to do yoga as well because it used to help with my breathing, and I had very weak lungs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he got me a asthma by age fifteen. I started playing cricket again. I became captain of my school cricket team. Fantastic! Uh, I now run uh, marathons. I'm running the half marathon for the fifth time in in three weeks. So I think uh, that really gave me my life back, my childhood back. Like. was the only kid who couldn't go for sleepovers if i went for a sleepover to a friend's house i would carry my own blanket and pillow from home because i had to have these hypoallergenic blanket and pillow and like now i look back at it and i'm like it was fine it was right to do at that time but your 7 8 10 year old kids are going to make fun of you at that time right so and bullied for all the wrong yeah, reasons yeah so I, i think that uh, my grandfather gave me my childhood back or he gave me that part of my life that i didn't have back and for that i i actually um respected him a lot and and for that i actually started believing in the science much more as well other than the fact there was my family legacy i started believing in ayurveda much more and so i spent a lot of time with him growing up and outside of transcribing the family formulations from scriptures to the computer um i learned a lot about life skills from him as well right so and i learned that because you know my grandfather every day of his life had the same routine mm. he would wake up at 4:45 am freshen up 5:15 to 6:15 he would read books on ayurveda medicine etc all of that 6:15 he'd get ready 6:45 was his first tee off at willingdon club golf play with the same group of three doctors come back home at like 9:15 sounds like my retirement the same <laughs> same food for breakfast yeah. every day um go to the clinic reach the clinic by 10:30 be back at 8 have dinner in a silver thali while watching the news on tv and go to sleep and that was just repeat 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 and every time i would go i would see the same thing and the same thing and the same clothes to work every day white safari suit and the same black shoes polished and he would polish his shoes himself at night before he went to bed so i think that that consistency discipline hard work that's something i learned from him and i i really imbibed that in my life and i i'm i'm i live by those philosophies still you know so if i I mean, I started this year with a 10-kilometer run. I wasn't out till 4 a.m. at night partying. I was. I, I wanted to start the year with a 10-kilometer run, and I did that 10-kilometer run. We're talking about the first day and you running 10 kilometers. Uh, I saw your LinkedIn post about New Year resolutions. Tell me a little bit more about that because I think we're all in that stage where we're trying to figure and plan better for 2024. Yeah. I think. Look, uh, this activity started in 2019. Um, so we're doing the fifth year now. It was the 
craziest year for Dr. Aryas. Like for a while, the company was going nowhere, and then suddenly everything started falling into place, mm -hmm. and everything started growing so fast. And the team went from twenty-five to one hundred and fifty people, and we moved from one office to seven offices, and everybody was just. Jumping and sharing this, and we got some Forbes 30 under 30 and Business World 40 under 40, and we are going to launch in the US. We're going to do this, that, and like, everything was going on, right? And we just got married, and like it was just everything was going on at the same time. And I remember on first Jan, Trisha said, "Look, if we don't structure our lives, we let this opportunity go. Hmm. Uh, either we lose our relationship or we lose the company. One of the two. So we need to." Start structuring our lives, and then we did this thing where we set up our personal and professional goals for the year. Both of us sat down on Jan first, noted down the goals. At that time, she had done an interesting activity. She had found a caricature artist or some graphic artist who had made this. Um, she had made this like drawing of our goals. Okay. Like actual uh, imagery of like, okay, I want to reach. Three crores a month. I want to launch in four markets. I want to read outside of work twenty minutes a day. This that like each of us had our own. She made a picture of it, and then she um, made it into size that fit as a phone wallpapers. So we put it as a phone wallpapers. But I think from that activity we developed this methodology where one, we only do to the two of us. We hold each other accountable. Every three months we relook at goals and see see where we have reached. We also know each other's goals, both personal and professional. So if you're straying off it. Like if I see her miss her ten thousand steps now three days in a row, I'll tell her. And I think that activity of doing it together, being accountable, debating each other's goals as well. Like mm. this year, I said I want to do this, 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 this. She like no, you can't do all. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I she wanted to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Like I was like no, you have to pick two or three of these because otherwise you won't be able to achieve all of that. I think that activity has been, uh, it creates lots more meaning, and honestly, it helps you like. While you're building the company together, everything was together, and we sold the company. Now both of us have different career paths. It helps you still stay involved and 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 help each other. And I've seen some people do it with their life partner, some people do it with their parents, some people do it with their best friend, some people do it with a sibling. Like yeah. whoever you are, that close to that can hold you accountable. That's why you can't do this with everyone. Yeah. If there is a formality in the relationship, then it's not. You know the other theme that's really popping out is just how strong um, your relationship with your wife is and the important role that she's played in just who you are today, right? And I think um, very often, I think when you think about life's decisions, uh, one is what job you want to take, but the second really important one, job in the sense, what area of work, and the second one really is. who do you want to spend the rest of your life with right because that contributes a lot to where you make it and whether you are the best version of yourself or not um was there anything that you had in mind or what do you think really works in the relationship that you have with her that has helped you you know really blossom and be in some way the better version every year i think uh, the best decision i ever made business wise was also getting my wife into the business <laughs> yeah Uh, until then, Doctor Vedas was going nowhere. Then she came six months later. The business started going somewhere, and then it went somewhere. So I think both from a work and professional standpoint, uh, I think uh, it's the, one of the best choices I've made. I, I would say that I think we had a very interesting journey in which we got we started dating, we got engaged, she joined the company. We we're building a company together. We got married while building this company. Two years later, we saw the company to exit. Then both of us had to figure out life ahead, decide what to do in life, buy a house, have a kid. So I think in like seven years we've, yeah, or six years of marriage and seven years of engagement and maybe this will be at almost this is our tenth year of dating. Uh, lots has happened. I think a uh, few things that have worked honestly is uh, like really complementary skill sets. So uh, whether it's work. Or it's non-work as well. Demarcation of responsibilities. Booking of flights, my responsibility. <laughs> Planning the destination, her responsibility. Uh, business development, marketing, brand, sitting with you, doing this podcast, uh, running the factory, legal, my responsibility. But day-to-day -day performance, marketing, operations, logistics, warehousing, customer service, accounting, which was seemingly the Man more thing. male thing to do i was just like no she's better at it let her do it like if a logistics partner came to me and said sir you know we want to give you this rate i was like i don't look at this you can <laughs> please speak to my ceo at that time she had she had 
purposely not changed her last name from a work standpoint mm. so that it didn't like for people who didn't know we were married we were not married i think the other thing is that like respecting each other's goals and career choices as well like i'm right now in the phase of life where i'm an investor i'm running a vc fund she's in the phase of life where she wants to start up now yeah and so if she wants to start up and she needs me to step in for certain things at home i'm happy to do that yeah. because running a company is a different role and she didn't like investing she did it for a little bit and um she enjoyed it but she thought that it's not her calling in life uh, but she respects the work i do and so it means i had to be on 100 flights here i had to be on 100 flights last year yeah oh fantastic it's beautiful right because i think just having that understanding and that fallback is massive security and safety emotionally uh, to know that someone's there and and will look out for you right Absolutely. so uh, so incredible how difficult was it for you to let go of doctor vedya right because you you know it seems like you you built it with your heart and soul like before you had your daughter it's probably your child right yeah. closest to your yeah. heart so it must have been difficult look incredibly hard a parcel from doctor vedya actually just came to our house we had ordered some medicine it just came to our house and we saw the box and the packaging change and all of that it felt a little bit odd it was it was very very difficult to give up doctor vedya the time we were giving it up right so the time we had the decision to make the time we had the decision to make to leave sell our equity etc we were honestly given an offer uh, first we thought there's no way we can leave then we saw the offer uh, i think there was one part of what allowed us to even think about it was the fact that i worked in private equity before mm. my dad has run the same business for the last 40 years for him this is like unthinkable yeah but for me i saw the difference between promoter and ceo shareholder value unlocking sure i i understood a few of these concepts right i can't say i was i was an analyst so i wasn't really controlling the decisions but i understood the concept so it was very simple actually we were getting paid fair value for the business a fair value for the business the future of the business was offline offline was a massive failure for us we yeah. were not the right people to take it forward we wanted the brand to be the biggest it could be and so it seemed like the right time to also hand it over and take it forward because online the business could have grown one and a half two times from where we left it after that honestly there was no market as such that we saw it. and by the way the answer we'll only know in 5 years uh, but for us at least at that time it seemed like that so taking that decision letting go of something that you spend 95% of your day thinking about and then overnight it's gone um that was really hard and then when we were handing it over also like you're still there but then on april 1st 2021 when it was not there anymore and you were free to play squash at 11 am if you liked and be out till 2 am on a tuesday night not bothered about what you got to do the next morning it was different uh i think we were cognizant of ripping off the bandaid which means that when it's done it's done like yeah. i'm not showing up at the office once a month after it's done i'm not doing any of that uh, that was one i think the second thing is at the age that i sold the business 29 uh i was not i was never worried that i would not know what i'd do next mm. because honestly i said i i'm so young of course i'm smart enough to figure out something over the next couple of years right so i think that didn't bother me as much and if you have run a business for 20 years it's much more difficult right because it yeah. becomes complete and by the way doctor this is my identity but i'm saying it becomes completely your identity like you have done decades in that company had not done decades there right so i i, I was not under confident and either was trisha figuring out what to do next i think that's never the problem but you're right no it's more it's more no, but it is a problem my dad says to me if i don't have this company what will i what do what are you going to do yeah what will i do and i yeah. don't blame him yeah because sometimes he's eating he's been doing this yeah and he's 58 years old now so no i hear you what i meant was in the context of the new age startup Correct. culture now where sometimes people are not able to step away like you were able to and say let me be true to myself there isn't really that much opportunity in the online space i can't do it in the offline space this is a good time to let go yeah Though that's a yeah. difficult conversation to have but it's also it's also very fine line right because like we are also seeing lots of new age startup folks who are letting go too quickly as well exact that's what i want to get to right where is that find balance and what are some of the ingredients of that decision at least for you that you feel worked and examples that you have seen today like the ones where you said let go very early where i mean how do you make that decision right it's very very tricky see there's lots about gen z that's amazing um and i put a linkedin post about this yesterday about how 
you have to start thinking of like 52% of consumers in india will be gen z and so for us as non gen z we'll have to start figuring out the way gen z consumes and especially for i spoke specifically about e-commerce e-commerce brands will have to understand the way they consume one thing which i think that generation can learn from our generation uh, is the ability to stay strong and committed to something hmm. i think it's important to keep looking at what's around you but 6 months is not enough time to figure out whether a job is or a career path is the right one or the wrong one so it's good to explore various things it's good to have a lot of interest but staying committed to something for a longer period of time giving it its due course and also fighting yeah like we fought really hard you know i remember we used to have you running the company when you were 26 27 28 lots of our friends were getting married hmm. we had a mirror and a hanger in our offices because we'd get ready for all our friends weddings at the office and trisha had a makeup at the office i remember clearly there was a friends wearing a taj and i was on my laptop in my sherwani on my laptop until i walked into the taj literally until i walked into the hotel i was on my phone hotspot writing an email closing something right yeah and i think that fight that ability or uh, sort of acceptance that i have to fight through these tough times is really important characteristic for any entrepreneur if you ask me what i underestimate was how tough it is hmm it's really 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 hard you will face lots of failure like lots of failure you will get kicked slapped you will get even at times disrespected you will at times have very close people to you not support you yeah. who you expected to support you um you will get made fun of and i think fighting through that time when people make fun when people don't believe is really really important and having a strong support system was also important to me i came from a family of entrepreneurs so my dad understood when i didn't speak at the dinner table my grandmom understood when i was like not there for a family function it was okay like i was not able to be there right so like, i don't want to be there i yeah. want to be there but i'm i'm, I'm not able to be there and i had a very mature conversation with my dad uh we had spent christmas with some friends um outside the city and i, I remember very clearly this 26 jan we were driving back home and i was just chatting with my dad on the phone and he said look you know i don't like it that we don't get to spend so much time anymore uh even though we live in the same building it's, it's not like you have as much time available as quality time but i've accepted it because there was that phase in my life when i was also really busy and that 5 10 15 years is your prime and you can't let it go but when we have time i want you to be present you can't be on your phone when we have time i'm not asking you for time all the time and i'm accepting that you're busy right now and i may not be as busy at this time right i may not and that's very hard to accept right because that person when i was growing up was the busiest person i knew yeah. right like i would cry and say come back for my birthday please from the work trip and now the roles have reversed and and the majority of people accept that was pretty amazing fantastic no really so sweet you share that uh, because i think a lot of people are going through that struggle right where there's a now you are suddenly parenting your parents in very many relationships and for them to understand they are understanding and you're also you know walking that distance is a huge thing so i think all of us need to be mindful as our parents and grandparents get older that actually time is all they want and and like like your dad said to you that time but be present be present the most important i'm not thing. i'm not so i'm not as good as i should be at that honestly we're all work in progress but, so it's cool <laughs> yeah, i think even with my grandmom it's the same thing yeah you know um since you're also an investor and because you've been through this entrepreneurial journey i almost see you as a far more empathetic investor um because you've seen the struggles yourself and so you know what is that 5 rupee pen that your granddad had for you what is that grounding exercise that you have to keep you you know grounded <laughs> yeah i think honestly it's uh, like family uh whatever happens around in the world nothing changes in that dynamic right and i think that's really really important it's also everybody in the family shares the same values everybody lives in the same way there are ups and downs and my dad has kept on saying that like i remember it's a very important story in my life it seems a little bit um frivolous when you think about it but it it had a deep impact in my life we were 
in London one summer for summer vacation, and there was this sports store called Lily White's hmm. on Piccadilly Circus. Yes, it used to be the luxury sports store of the world. Now it's like a budget discount <laughs> sports store. Yeah, but we still go there every time. <laughs> so I got my first cricket set from there. Uh, first like proper like expensive cricket set from there. I got a a Greenickles bat, um, pads, gloves, helmet, and elbow guard. All from there. It was that that store was expensive. Like yeah. it was wooden flooring and wooden stairs and, and like air condition everywhere. Yeah. Four floors, all of that stuff, right? So very expensive store. My brother was a football fan, so we bought some footballs and some cleats and some shin pads and all of that stuff. So we got like a lot of stuff. And I was walking around the store and I saw this Spalding basketball. Hmm. I didn't play so much basketball, honestly. Hmm. Um, but hmm. like we had a basketball court in school. We used to have the Costco balls in India. Yes. And NBA, they would play with Spalding ball. I mean, I'd never seen the Spalding ball here. So we're walking around the store and I'm like, Dad, I want the Spalding basketball. He's like. Are you looking at these bags we are carrying? Like, we have bought so much stuff. You don't play basketball. Yeah. You must be playing in school randomly whenever you feel like. But you're not a basketball player. You don't have the height or the build to play basketball, anyways. So, why do you want the ball? Yeah, I was like, no, I want the ball. And he's like, no, you can't have the ball. And then we are going, and I start crying, and I'm like, I want the ball. I want the ball. I want the ball. How old were you? Ten, eleven years old, something like that. I want the ball. I just want the basketball. So he stopped. He said, "Okay, we're turning back now. You can have the basketball. You can have the basketball today because we can afford to buy the basketball. Because in this current situation, we are able to buy the basketball. Tomorrow or day after, when I say we can't afford or we can't buy that basketball, we can't buy the basketball. Are you okay with that?" I said, "I'm okay with it. You went and bought me a basketball." And that actually, and I've seen by the way, my dad's an entrepreneur, right? Obviously, the business goes up, up and down, etc. All of that. We have no change in our lives. I mean, these are um, values which teach you how to go through life in a very balanced way, no? And he taught me at ten, right? That was the right way to teach me at ten as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think I want to relate this now to a lot of what's happening in the startup world, right? Where I think the while the valuations are really sexy, I think I often fall to the. Traditional legacy businesses where the bottom line is sexy, yeah, yeah. right? And But by the way, you will see things move towards that now. I think we had 2021 and 22 was a pretty wild time, and I, I drank the Kool Aid as well. And I think as investors, a lot of us drank the Kool Aid, and uh, 2023 was the hangover. We'll see what 2024 is. Uh, and you know, a lot of investors said 2021, 22, all of us went to a bar and got drunk together, and then we are now <laughs> facing the hangover. Uh, I would say that uh, I've learned two things from experience, meeting traditional businesses, seeing value generated, seeing businesses listed on the stock market, etc. All of that. You're doing business for bottom line. Yeah. Right? That's the reality. And eventually, at some point, it's got to give, right? It's got to happen for everyone around. Uh, second, valuation is valuation until it's value in your pocket. There is a massive difference between primary and secondary, and I saw that. Hmm. we were able to extract value a secondary that came to us that's real value yeah your company's valuation multiple multiplied by your stake as a founder is not what you're worth until it's liquid and there is a price a massive price to liquidity in unlisted equities as well yes otherwise it's paper no but the other thing which i think is really important is that uh, it can't get to your head it just cannot get to your head like a lot of people ask me Oh, so one day all that money came into the bank, and then what changed? Look, I don't uh, like cars. I just don't like cars. Right? <laughs> I, we, when I started the company, uh, I used to drive a Honda Jazz, small Honda car, which my parents had given me, and people didn't take me seriously as a twenty-five-year-old CEO of a company in a Honda Jazz, and I I can't grow facial hair, <laughs> so I couldn't have a mustache or a beard. <laughs> so then they were like, "Who's this kid? Where's your boss?" So my dad said, "Look, it's. I'm not saying you have to spend a lot of money and all, but just drive a better car and buy a car for yourself. You have some savings from your private equity job. Buy a car." So he said, "You said a budget to buy a car." So I said, "A ten lakh rupee budget for myself, and I bought a car for myself at that time. Uh, I went to buy a car for myself, and then he said, 'Okay, chal. I was buying some Sias, Maruti Sias, and he's like, Hyundai showroom was just outside our building. He liked this Creta. He's like, I'll pay the difference, some fifteen, sixteen, five, six lakhs ka difference, and he said, 'You take a.'" 
car loan and the delta whatever little bit is i'll pay the down payment so i took the car loan i just paid the car loan last year we sold the company he said dude now at least <laughs> upgrade your car it's been 5 years so upgrade your car i said okay sure i'm happy to upgrade my car i bought one car in my life right uh, and uh. honestly i don't attach value to cars it's not yes. like i'm ignorant or anything like that my dad loves cars he has a nice car all the time i don't attach value so i don't even know what it costs yeah so chal i'll take you to uh, car showrooms and we'll see and so he took me to <laughs> some luxury car dealerships and i saw the price of cars and i have no issue with people who like cars for me a car is point a to point b yeah so i said look in the delta between my creta and the car you're telling me to buy i can make 10 startup investments yes so clearly there is no value ascribed for me for that uh, i said i'll upgrade 20% 25% and so i went and got myself a mg ev yeah. i said if i'm a tech investor now i better be driving an electric vehicle at least i got myself an mg ev and i was happy with that and and okay there are other things i spend on like i i spend a lot on my sports equipment and stuff i want the best running shoes for my marathon and stuff but for the things that i don't attach value to i don't have to prove to anybody else not at all so yeah. can't it get your head i think that's very important even if you make the the money i don't think you'll change the person you are yeah no absolutely and i think that's why i asked this question right because the lesson that your father taught you at 10 i think many of us at some point need to revisit that because the sometimes the new money coming in you lose track of where you came from and what your values are and you sort of this very shiny world suddenly seems very very attractive um, but only to later realize it's very transient Agreed. as Agreed. quickly the deck gets built up it very falls e- equally quickly right so uh, to just stay and maintain that balance is very very critical um i think you know i also want to ask you you are also a, an influencer and a content creator like you were saying and um you know i'm sure um i am very early in the journey but i often get very concerned and impacted on my general mental well being with the kind of comments you get right and you know i'm sure you've had your your share of it as well how do you really deal with that and what keeps you really focused on what you want to get out of this it sounds a little bit odd but i honestly get zero, i don't get affected i don't read so much also honestly uh i'm not doing this for any likes shares views yeah. fame etc the audience is gotten much smarter right like i talk about like the opportunity of coffee in india the mass premium price point and how sports jerseys are cheaper and how that's creating a bigger market and uh, people are listening to that content and not just tens of people like millions of people are listening to that content which is good uh, i think when i have read the comments though some of them are very nasty and some of them are very rude and unfounded honestly uh but they are so random yeah and so off that it just seems like someone taking out some other frustration on me so i just let it go honestly because it's not a very very large part of my life maybe it doesn't affect me more but i think for people who it is a large part of their lives i think it's it's very harmful yeah absolutely it's not fair it's not correct mm. uh my wife gets more affected by me <laughs> then me about these comments she keeps screenshotting and saying did you see what this guy said about you <laughs> yeah, i can I, imagine for now i don't at least yeah. attach so much importance to it yeah absolutely um just you know to wrap this up you know what is you spoke about your goals etc in 2024 but like what are the top 3 things you're sort of racing towards right and also just trends in, in investing that you're seeing just for even folks who are listening in to really understand if they are starting a business which is the direction or what are the areas of work that they could look at yeah so i'll i'll start with maybe things i'm racing towards uh, i think i'm in a new career uh, journey career path uh, and i think i'm inexperienced in this career path uh, i have some some stuff to offer which hopefully is good uh, but i i definitely want to be at the top of my game and at the top of whatever i am to offer to the consumer investing world and so i need to get much better this year through various aspects but be honest that hey there are people who are much more experienced and who are better than you and you need to learn from them and accept that right so i think i need to be better a better investor this year um, and i'm not saying i've done a bad job i've done an okay job but you can always get better so sure. i think that's one important goal for me the second goal for me is that uh, now my daughter's obviously reached an age where she knows what's going on um, and so i definitely need to be more present uh, because she understands when i'm going for a flight when i'm leaving the house etc like 
we went for a friend's wedding we came back and she was like super excited so clearly she knew we were not there yeah and so i need to be more present now in my goals for her which are uh, and we've split again responsibility so sports and education is my part of uh, her upbringing and so i need to start that this year because now she'll be able to mm-hmm. do some of those activities so that's number 2 and i think number 3 is that um, my parents are young still they are like late 50s now but i think my grandmom um is turning 85 yeah. in a week uh and i think that it's important that we i i make the most of the time she has now it's beautiful to see her with my daughter it's four generations of our family uh, but i think i need to uh, be more present um for whatever time we have left with her and we're fortunate to have her with four stents and two bypass surgeries still Amazing. active and there and present and yeah like i mean doesn't look 85 at all so i think these three things i'm raising towards personally i think trends in investing i would say let me talk about my area of uh, interest or expertise uh, which is consumer yeah i think it's a big year ahead um what we are seeing is that as you said bottom line the first trend is business are becoming more bottom line focused but in this space you can actually build a business bottom line focused you can actually build revenue and gross margin and contribution margin eventually but the faster so we're seeing lots of really good businesses now that were underrated or under the radar becoming now relevant and everyone will have to move towards this bottom line focus if you don't have it uh, now you're not getting looked at and yeah. you're not getting capital but but business will chase a capital will chase good business and they're enough there second interesting thing i'm seeing is actually niches are now yielding large businesses right like whether it's gut health hmm. or longevity or gen z focused denim or uh pan on swiggy yeah. or cold coffee carts and some of these businesses have invested in uh i think these given the size of our country and the depth of penetration of the digital economy mm. you can actually build like 100 crore businesses here yeah. which is exciting and unique right and so i think as the market and economy evolves these niches will start yielding large business outcome which is where every developed economy goes or where a developing economy moves to develop um i think also the last thing is that um i think consumers are becoming more demanding and consumers are becoming more brand conscious there are certain spaces where there are not enough brands yet whether it's home and kitchen or it's pet or it's sports and fitness which is actually a large category now yeah. i was reading the numbers adidas puma decathlon asics and sketchers just five companies did 10000 crores in fy23 which means they do 12 13000 this year that's in no way a small industry it's not a pastime anymore it's a, yeah. it's a market so i think picking these industries like sports and fitness um, research based health and wellness pets home and kitchen i think these spaces um could be very interesting for the year ahead so you spoke about longevity and i want to connect that to uh, you know the typical ayurvedic products that people now take right around ashwagandha or moringa or general well being and now again it's one of those things which has been sold back to us so we have them but have you really is this is is it just a fad or does it really deeply have impact on our body you're asking the wrong person because <laughs> No, I've I want a true answer. <laughs> I've grown up having it. Uh, Especially, sorry, I remember. I think in the Karan Johar show, I think uh, Varun Dhawan said you should have ashwagandha because he has it every night. Yeah, look, so look, it's I, really picked up. I think uh, it's picked up both here and in the West as well. Ashwagandha. Yeah. Uh, Trisha was doing some research on Amazon US. Hmm. Millions of dollars of ashwagandha sold on Amazon US every month, right? Uh, look, I think there was a time when people questioned Ayurveda to be a fad. and this was 2014 um government changed ministry of ayush was created patanji revolution was just about kicking off they done 1000 crores and everybody was like ayurveda 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 9 years in we are still there yeah we're very much there then people said ayurveda and immunity is a fad covid happened everybody is having it and then after covid everybody will stop having it honestly immunity supplements have reduced significantly in terms of sales but i think what i used to tell my team at that time is that people will adopt ayurveda now they'll buy an immunity supplement it's your job to sell two or three other things right and Hmm. I think look, seventy-two percent of India consumes at least one Ayurvedic product on a daily basis. Indian households, right? Now, if you look at a hair oil, or you look at some shampoo, or you look at um, some ashwagandha tablet, or you look at some turmeric tablet, or you look at some chawan prash, something Ayurvedic, right? Yes. The job for the industry is to make that one into two, three, four, five products, and really have people adopt the lifestyle with positivity, not just it happens to be in my home. And I, I think that's the next journey, right? Which yoga is now. 
doing yoga is cool and yeah. exciting and people travel the world to do yoga and they come to india and they spend thousands of dollars for yoga retreats i think we have some way to go with ayurveda there yeah no and i think uh, the conversation i was having with hershel is around how do you make meditation that now you know because i do a lot of meditation heartfulness meditation and you know i think it's something that everyone should do in their lives right and so i think his work with lsm is a lot around yeah, that yeah. how do you make it cool how do you get rid of all the baggage that it has which does not even exist it's Correct. all in our minds Correct. uh so i i hope that it happens for ayurveda but it's been an absolute exceptional conversation uh, arjun thank you so much thank for this thank you my pleasure and uh, you know i think i see how you know every time you want to do that zero to one i think you're doing that with content creation you've done that with dr vedya you're also doing it with investing so i love that spirit because you know always starting and creating something new always teaches you about yourself and i think that's a constant journey um and absolutely you know you live the values that your grandfather put up on the wall so i think a lot for us to learn and at least i learned a lot from all the thank you and I, I i wanted to say one thing as we end the conversation as well i think um we're doing this in a place that's not your home but it felt like through this entire conversation i was talking to a friend there was no camera and the conversation flowed really well so thank you so much Thank wow. you so much for that compliment. Coming from another podcaster <laughs> and a content creator means a lot. I take it as a as a compliment. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thanks, and wishing you all the best for your twenty twenty four goals. Thank yeah. you.